Welcome to the Strategy Mob Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy Mob. Today, I have the one, the only, the oh-so-famous, the full-of-life, incredible energy, Mr. Glenn Lundy in the house. Glenn, what's up? <laughs> what's up, man, dude? I like my love dude. that. And, and, <laughs> and man, I appreciate you sharing this space and time with me. I really do, man. I mean, I'm very happy to be here. I'm excited to jam with you. We've had the opportunity to jam a couple times, and it's just every time we get together, I just feel like there's just some great value for people out there and watching and listening. And speaking of the people that are watching and listening, and speaking of those 15 that probably don't know who you are, let's... Let's kick off today's podcast with a little origin story. So, so Glenn, how did you get started in this crazy little world that we call the automotive industry? Well, let's see. I met a girl in college, and uh, I don't know how it happened, but she got she quickly got pregnant, and her and I had a kid. <laughs> and when her and I had a kid, I had to, um, I chose to drop out of college and get into the workforce. And I started working at an America online call center. I know that that is aging me, but that's where I started and uh, did phone sales for a little while and got into management kind of in that uh, particular, you know, avenue. And one day I was sitting in the break room and I saw an ad in the newspaper that said, make $5,000 a month guaranteed. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And then below it, it said, no experience required. And I was like, that's me. I am no experience required. And so it turned out it was a Nissan Subaru dealership in Flagstaff, Arizona. And so I went, I applied, I got hired, I started right away. Uh, as a salesperson, had a lot of success as a salesperson, made my way up to finance. Um, at 21, I was the youngest finance manager in the state of Arizona at the time. Did finance for a couple years, made my way over to the desk as a sales manager, made my way up to a general sales manager. And meanwhile, as my career was blossoming in the car business, um, my life outside of the car business was not doing so well. And the dealership itself really wasn't growing. And so I reached a point where I left that particular dealership. I left the auto industry as a whole. Uh, did not like it, did not want anything to do with it anymore, blamed it for a lot of my personal problems. Mm -hmm. And uh, fast forward, I'm in, I travel around, I live in all these different states, I make hundreds of mistakes. And I land in Kentucky, where I meet a girl. And it was crazy, because she got pregnant. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I guess I've got to get back to being a big boy. I got to get a big boy job. And so I started working at a Chevy dealership in Paris, Kentucky, tiny little dealership, population 9,600. But I made a decision going into that dealership that I was not about to go full circle like I did before. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't going to allow the industry to change me. Instead, I was going to make an impact on the industry. So in that dealership, I went from sales to sales manager to general sales manager to general manager. And over a period of just under six years, we were able to grow that dealership 800% 
making it the second largest used car franchise dealership in the country. Uh, we took it from selling 120 cars a month to ultimately my best month was in March of 2018. We sold 1,043 cars in Ooh. 27 business days, closed on Sundays. In October of 2018, I left that dealership and now I work with owners and general managers of dealerships all across the country, helping them scale their volume, their profitability, their overall uh, dealership culture and their employee retention. And that's where I'm at now, uh, doing, doing, doing that thing in the auto industry from a little different perspective. That, that, that is so cool. You know, it's like, you know, once the this business gets into your blood, it's incredibly difficult to get it out. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, when, when your days were done with the dealership that you had to do something else. When, you know, when I when I sold my dealership, it was the same thing. I, I had, a, I think, maybe about a two month period where I was like, I, I'm not going to do automotive. I'm not going to do automotive. Right. I'm not going to do automotive. I, yeah, that lasted, like I said, about 60 days. And I was like, I just got, <laughs> I sucked back into it, you know? <laughs> crack, brother. It's crack. I don't know why they call it the auto industry. This no, is no, it up. really is. Crack. Once you get that, you get that fix right and you just you, you gotta keep going for it and it, it, it's fun i think for both of us being on this side of the business because we've been in that hot seat you know we understand the pressure we understand the stress we understand that that grind all right from the first of the month to the end of the month not necessarily i'm a big fan of that i actually don't know many that are but still you know, right. it's like we, we've been there we've done this so so it's fun to be on kind of this side and helping dealers you know kind of go through that and man this last year has been a doozy <laughs> like, to say the least right i mean look out of out of all the things that we prepare ourselves for and i think back to like 2008 during the recession and you know it was kind of this 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 gradual you know, nine month, 12 month buildup to things really kind of imploding and kind of falling apart. And, you know, I was actually living in the Southwest at the time. I was not far from you. I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. And, um, and man, I spent a lot of time in Flagstaff. I don't think people realize that you can drive from the desert and on your way from Albuquerque to Phoenix, you can actually get stuck in a snowstorm in Flagstaff. Oh, yeah. that's, how, that's how crazy the elevation is. In fact, one of my, my worst car accidents was actually doing exactly that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, but in 2008, you know, we, we, you know, we went through this and it was kind of the slow thing. This wasn't the case. I mean, I don't know about for you, but I think for a lot of people I've talked to, it's like two weeks. <laughs> everything imploded and the amount of stress that is put on our industry and on our managers and our GMs and our staff is just, is huge. And, you know, we were, we got a chance to talk a little bit about this before we started recording today. You know, mental health has always been a big concern, you know, within our industry. And, you know, I've, I've managed a lot of people, you've managed a lot of people, you've, you've seen how the stress of a commission only job, you know, can, can, can put on someone, especially when, you know, we have this rolling kind of seasonal effect with our sales. I'm curious for you, like how are those conversations going right now around mental health, you know, with management and ownership? Yeah, man, it's, it's, um, it is the conversation, right? It is the conversation across the board. And, you know, I've been blessed and, and had the honor of, of, talking and having conversations with some large corporations that serve the auto industry as well as the dealers themselves and the concern is the same you know from people working at home versus um you know in in the stores or or in their offices 
all of a sudden, you know, everything's changed. Like we yeah. as human beings, we, we compartmentalize the different areas of our life and there's purpose and reason behind that. So there's a reason we go to church on Sunday. There's a region, reason, region, there's a region. That's Look, I'm already thinking about regional stats. There's a reason that we leave the house and go to work, right? Mm -hmm. There's, we compartmentalize these things so that we can make these shifts and these transitions. And all of a sudden, our homes became work, they mm -hmm. became school, they became, you know, everything. Yeah. And the stress that that has put on humans, all humans, is nearly, nearly measurable. And the longer it draws out, the more the compound effect is right it's almost like an exponential type thing you know so the first few weeks there's a little bit of panic there's a little bit of fear then you start to settle in it's almost like this roller coaster right like you're climbing up the thing on the roller coaster you're freaking out for a little bit and then it kind of drops into a free fall and you're like screaming but it kind of like feels like everything's going to be okay and next thing you know you go into a corkscrew and then you go into this big backflip and you don't know you know now you're in the dark you're in a tunnel you don't know if you're going left you're going right and so as it progresses um, mentally if you're not 100 percent playing defense as far as what goes into your mind and the thoughts and the words that you're saying and the people that you're listening to and surrounding yourself to it it will it will paralyze you and that's what we're seeing across the industry and across humanity itself you know we're sure. seeing divorce rates skyrocket we're seeing um, suicide rates skyrocket. We're seeing uh, drug abuse and alcohol abuse and, and all of these things uh, because it's, it's, it's really a mental game. And so I've just been having many, many, many conversations with leaders that care so deeply for their people. And they're like, Glenn, you know, how do we best serve them in this environment? You know, and those those, yeah, those conversations, sure. this is it's unprecedented. We've never had to do anything like this. It before. is. We've never had to deal with this. I mean, I think it would come from a manager's perspective. I think it from two perspectives. I think it from kind of the the owner's perspective, and then I think kind of from the manager's perspective. I mean, for me, I always kind of view the owner as 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 that leader, that growth factor within it. You know, always you know trying to focus on kind of what's that next move, and then my manager, my GM, you know, kind of being my 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 now people. You know, let, let, let you guys deal with now. I'll deal with the future. And I don't know. I hate to say it, Glenn. I'm not 100% convinced or even know a lot of managers and GMs that are trained or equipped to even identify some of these things within some of their staff. And, and if they do identify them, what the hell do they do with it, right? So let, right. let's start there. Let's start there. For, for the GMs and the, and the managers out there, um. What do you say some of those identifiers are within their staff that is just like, hey, man, something's not right here. I need to have a conversation with them. Yeah, so I think it's actually further than that. I think I think if you get to that point where you start to identify it's time for a conversation, I think you've failed as a leader. Mm, good point. So our, our role as the leader right now is to maximize our communication levels and become the one thing in our people that we have the the blessing of leading we have to become the 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 one area that is stable the one area that is uh safe 
right? Because when they go home, we don't, we, we can't control what's happening at home. We don't know what their spouses are doing. We don't know what their kids are into. We don't, you know, we, we can talk to them about those things, but we can't necessarily understand and step into their, into their shoes. So what we have to do as leaders in the auto industry and in industry as whole is we have to increase the communication to a massive level. We have to over communicate about every little thing, right? We have to have a daily meeting at the same time, every single day. We have to have zoom check-ins with with people that aren't necessarily working on site and make sure they still feel like they're involved and part of the team we have to do things on a structure and a schedule because they might not know you know what's going on tomorrow and whether or not they're going to be able to go to a restaurant go to a gym or take their kids to school but they need to know that they have a meeting at nine o'clock with you where they're going to be seen, they're going to be held accountable, and they're going to be held responsible. And they're also going to have an opportunity to express any concerns or any worries, and that there's going to be an ear there on the other side that is not necessarily going to say, I understand, but is going to say, hey, it's okay for you to feel right now. It's totally okay to have feelings right? Like, I'm okay with that. I might think different than you. I might see things different than you. I might have a different way of attacking this than you, but, but, giving but them you're the allowed to, to actually, feel. Yeah, exactly. And look, look you know, we st- we've been in the car business for a long time. Um, I, I'd be the first one to admit that my, um, my EQ or my emotional intelligence is not overly high. <laughs> you sure, know? Like sure. I, I just... We talked about earlier, look, our, our industry is kind of a, a, you know, suck it up buttercup. You know, it's, it. there's a lot of dealerships, you know, out there. And I think that's probably one of the best first steps that any leader can give their team is, is, is literally giving them the authorization to feel because I, I don't feel like I ever had that, um, mm-hmm. you know, early in, early in on my career. Did, did you? Oh, dude, not at all. The owners I worked for originally in my career, they were, I mean, they didn't even have any kids. They had two dogs that they brought to work with them every single day. They took them, they took their dogs to McDonald's every day and got them McDonald's sandwiches for lunch, right? Like, and, and we were open on Sundays. We worked every single day, except for we were off two Sundays a month, but we were expected to answer the phone and be on call on those Sundays. And I mean, I felt like an (laughs) a-hole if I asked like I wouldn't even ask to go to a dance recital or to to do anything on a Saturday. Are you kidding me? If the dealership wasn't first number one priority, that you got kicked in the teeth, you know. And that's that's the environment I grew up in. Oh, and I, I was the same. I mean, I remember one time asking my manager for time off to attend a funeral, and it was a Saturday, and he was like, "Seriously?" That that, that was his response. I'm like, mm-hmm. "Okay, like like." I felt bad asking my management to be able to attend a funeral. Now, I don't necessarily think that's the case in a lot of places. I think there, there, there are some that maybe still like that, but I think probably the majority of our industry has probably grown to have a bit more sure. emotional intelligence than giving someone crap for wanting to go to a funeral. <laughs> but but, True. The, you but know, it's still the standard. It, you see the memes, is, right? There's 12 is. feet of snow. Somebody posts the meme like, 12 feet of snow, city shut down, dealerships open, right? Yeah, like, showed up late, give me give me 50 push-ups, right? Did, did you have to do right. that? I had to do that. Like I was like, that's right. it was no, no, sorry. It was it was give the manager 20 bucks or give him 20 push-ups. It was one, it was one or the other if you showed up late. Um right, right. You know, no, you so, know, so, so look, so the, I, that mentality still exists. It's still it very testosterone field and and uh 
Um, and so I just think it's so important that, like you said, nobody's had training in that. Uh, we've all been developed by the mentors before us. And so it's important to recognize like, hey, I'm not an expert in this. And I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And I'm okay with that. But a great starting place is I'm going to let my people feel and I'm going to consistently be here for them as a safe place uh, to allow them to experience this season in whatever way they you know, they need to experience it. And, and what does that look like as far as kind of support? Because like, look, I'm, I'm better now, you know, for the last, I would say the last three years, I've gone through kind of this, this self-awareness journey to try to understand why I feel the way I feel and how that affects me both physically and emotionally. But when I was a manager, I had none of that, you know? So I think there's a fair amount of managers out there that are listening right now and go, okay, guys, I get it. I can have a chat with my team and say, okay, I, I'm going to authorize you to feel. Um, and that mm -hmm. might sound kind of awkward, but it's verbatim, maybe actually what needs to be said. Now, now, once that happens though, and we're allowing our staff to feel, and then we start to identify certain things or maybe certain emotions that people are having to deal with, you know, as, as managers, how much responsibility do we take on of, you know, our staff's emotions? I, I, I'm not hundred percent sure your, what your thoughts. Yeah, there's, I, I believe there's a solution to this. And, and I actually use an acronym to make this really easy for people to remember. So I spell the word lead with two D's L E A D D like and that. real. What's that? I like that. Yeah, thanks. And so Real leadership, here's what it looks like. The L in lead stands for listen, right? Your mama told you this a long time ago. You got two ears, one mouth. You need to listen as twice as often as you speak. So that's step one that a lot of managers don't do. They don't, they don't listen, right? So great leaders listen first. That's the L. The E in lead stands for encourage. So now what I want you to do is encourage more of the behaviors that you want to see more of. We want to encourage that. So whatever that is, and we typically do a good job of this. Somebody sells a car, we encourage, we celebrate, great job. If somebody's leading the board, we encourage, we celebrate, great job. But right now, what we need to really do is find ways that we can encourage all different personalities, the 12 car guide to the eight car guide to the mm. say, 20 car gal. We need to find ways to encourage the behaviors we want to see more of. So if they're being positive, if they're staying on top of their tasks, if they're not getting into the gossip circles, we want to encourage more of that behavior. Now, what's neat is when you put these two together, when you listen with the intention of trying to find something to encourage, right? Like, hey, Jason, great job. You know, if I'm listening for that versus listening to defend and tell you why you're wrong or why you can't do what you're trying to do, if I listen trying to encourage, it shifts my ears in a certain way mm -hmm. that causes a deeper uh, connection and more trust is built between my, me and my teammate. So I listen first, then I encourage. Then we go to the A in lead, which is advise. Now, most managers go straight to advise. <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> Here's I, I what you did wrong. Here's what you could do better, right? That's pretty much where they go straight to. But here's what happens in human beings. This is a psychological thing. If you listen to me and then you encourage me, you've now earned the right to advise me. 
Mm. And I will actually perk up and listen and respond to your advice because you listened and encouraged me. You gave me that respect. And so I'll give you that respect back. So we listen. Yes, Jason, I understand what's going on. We encourage, you know, Jason, you've been doing a really great job in this area, in this area, in this area, right? Then we advise and here's where we could maybe work on a couple things. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the things you're talking about, some of the negativity, maybe you've got this issue, whatever it is, right? We can talk about that from a from a comfortable, non-confrontational position, and it's really well received. So we listen, we encourage, we advise. Then we go to the letter D, which stands for develop. Please don't just tell me what to do. Please show me how to do it. Exactly. (laughs) Now, I know that takes time, right? But that's what great leaders do is they develop people. Don't just point the finger and say, go out there, grab the thing and do the thing. Get up off your butt, go around the desk, walk out there with me, show me what I need to do. And then I need you to understand that creating any type of new habit or, or any type of new behavior can take up to 67 days. Of course before it truly sinks in, Harvard and uh, Stanford actually did a study on this. Biologically, it takes 67 days before something becomes easier to do than to not do. So understand, I'm not going to get it the first time you tell me. I'm not going to get it the third time. I don't think like you. I don't see like you. Our values are different. I was raised different than you. So it might take a week. It might take a month. It might take two months. But if you and I are in this for the long haul together, you'll take the time to develop me until I get it right. For sure. So we listen, we encourage, we advise, and we develop. And then the second D on lead, I put that on there because it has to be done daily. Yes. This is not something we do twice a week. 100%, right? It's not once a week on Sunday. It's (laughs) every single day. You listen, encourage, advise, and develop. Listen, encourage, advise, and develop. If you do that, especially during this season, it will, your, your team will move mountains well, for they'll, they'll prosper they'll grow right and right. you know and you, you'll see that extend not just in their own personal growth and development but also in their professional growth and development you know they'll, totally. they'll dig a little deeper they'll go a little farther all right the better that they understand themselves all right the better they can the better they can help others i love the last d i gotta be honest with you that's my like, i love it all actually um i was thinking as you were saying you know the a i'm like oh man I was bad at that. I I'd, I'd, I'd literally, I'd skip everything and just go straight to the, you know what you just did? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's what most people look, do. I, I admit, I was, I, that was just, I was a manager like that, you know, and I got better, you know, like I, I sometimes I think of like Jason now and then young, you know, gun shooting Jason, you know, in the seat, you know, back in the day it was, it was just two totally different people. I don't think I would have liked that Jason. I gotta be honest with you. I don't think I would have liked right. him got along with him much. Right. right. Um, but, but the D the D's the big one. And that is actually kind of something that, that I got really hardcore with in probably the last, only the last 18 months, only the last 18 months of my life. Have I really started to understand the importance of that last D and that's that daily, that the mm-hmm. daily routine like i'd be the first one you know to admit to you that i was a very much so hey do you have a minute kind of a person you know <laughs> just like totally just just i would just interrupt and i and i felt like i was i was busy all the time but never being productive and it was about 
18, maybe, maybe a little 24 months, somewhere in between there. I just, I said, this ain't going to work. This isn't going to work for my business. This is going to work for my family. This is not going to work for my employees. Like I got to get serious about it. And it actually started through making content. That's where I saw Ooh. actually the value in it was I was making sure. content and I had to put content out there daily. So then to do that, I had to create a routine around that. And then once I saw the value in creating that social routine of putting content out there, I'm like, wow, I can do this in every part of you know what I do on a regular basis. And boy, that has really changed. But look, it's not easy for everybody. I, I actually, I don't think I've met anybody out there that would disagree that a routine is important <laughs> to do executing sure. and connecting with staff and customers on a regular basis. But I don't think a lot of people know how to just get started. So I guess that's where my, my next question for you is, is like, and how do you, how do you, how do you get started in that mind frame around creating routines? Yeah. So systems and processes are what keep us out of trouble, right? Uh, we, when we drift, when we have no direction, uh, that is where, you know, whatever word you want to use, but that is, that, that is where, you know, sin or, or, you know, just no, the, no, the negative yep. things <laughs> that take you backwards. That's when it creeps in. Mm -hmm. it, it, it creeps in when you worked all day and, and, and uh, you get off at eight thirty or nine o'clock at night and, and you don't have a routine. You don't have a system. That's why this, this industry can be really hard on a lot of people and really hard on a lot of relationships is the inconsistency of when we're going to get off of work and what mm -hmm. days we're going to work makes it hard to, to create a consistent every single day process. So for me, my suggestion to everyone is we have to start with the one area that we typically can control, which is our mornings. Our, our, our mornings. I like that depending on what time you choose to wake up are really one of the only controllable parts of the day as the day continues to progress different things happen so, uh so you know, this ask, pops what, up what that time, pops up what email does, tech. what time does glenn lendy wake up now i'm waking up at 3 20. oh jeez <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> I get up at 320. Wow. It used to be 350. Are, are you in bed now, by six? Are you in bed? <laughs> yeah, it used to be. Well, it used to be 350 because my, um, my now my show that I do, my morning show, yes. has a lot more production than it used to. So I'll, now I have to get up at, at, at 320 a.m. But finding, I had to find a space where I could spend one hour a day. Yes. Not getting pulled by anything, right? Mm -hmm. Not getting pulled by emails, not getting pulled by texts, not getting pulled by clients, not getting pulled by any of my seven children, not getting pulled by my wife, not getting pulled by anything. And and for me, it's 3.20 a.m. For you, it might be 6.20 a.m. It might be, it might be noon, you know, maybe you work third shift or something like that. Like, I'm not an advocate. I'm not sitting here saying you got to wake up at three o'clock in the morning. What I'm saying is you've got to find an hour or so. You've got to find space in the morning mm -hmm. that you can build your foundation so that you can, whatever storms come throughout the day, you might be swayed or you might be bent or you might get shaken, um, but you're not going to, you're not going to fall, right? You're not going to fall. So morning routines, I believe for everyone is really the, the, the first step 
Uh, there's triggers that you can set in place to remind you to do certain things at certain times in certain ways with a system and order that is very unlikely to get disrupted or disturbed sure. um, by any outside influences. No, look, I, like, we have to take those moments. I mean, I don't start at 320. I've been pushing myself. I'm right around 5 a.m. now. So Congrats, I, I will, like, I'll continue time. to get there. But no, I'm with you, though. Between 5 and 7 o'clock, when everyone is still asleep and my staff is not working, is, is just that time where I usually – it's the amount of time it takes me to finish the coffee I have at that at that moment is just me time. So it's just it's not I, I haven't opened the emails yet. And then and then once the coffee's done, then I have to open the emails and just kind of finish off whatever needs to be finished off. Now I, I what I realized though when I was doing that is I was sending emails to staff members at five in the morning. And right. and, and and you know what what ended up happening? I was I by accident, I was accidentally imposing my routine on onto others. So I had to, I had to figure it out. But I figured it out. I can actually schedule emails to go later. Sure. Because just because that works for me, to your point, like you said earlier, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be everybody. So I, one, I realized I had a staff member was waking up in the morning so that they could respond to my emails. I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> um, right. But it is. It's it's that it's that that time is so insanely important to kind of set the days tone. Now, I, you know, I also do this a couple of times throughout the day where I may just take 10 minutes to shut off the phone. And just to, if it's listening to music or I listen to a quick podcast or a little bit of an audio book, but it's, that, I don't know, I guess that's kind of that, that mental check-in. But, you know, have you seen, I, you know, I guess, I guess what I'm, what I'm asking is that these are, this is an amazing thing to do, right? Um, creating that morning routine. I don't necessarily see that as a training model for a lot of our GMs and for our salespeople, right? Like we expect the second they walk through the door that the, the chest plate's on, the spear's in hand, and they're ready to go to battle. That's right. not always the case, you know? So I'm curious, you know, just from your perspective, you know, is this something that should be done kind of at home or should we give our staff 30 minutes or 15 minutes before they get there to kind of decompress and get started for the day. Yeah. So it's a combination of two things. So I teach, um, I taught my employees at Dan Cummins and then I highly suggest the dealers that I work with now that they teach the morning five, five simple steps to an extraordinary life is what I call it. And, um, those morning five, it's really simple, right? Uh, don't hit the snooze button. Don't touch your phone first thing in the morning. Write down the things you're thankful for and your goals. Take care of yourself physically. I don't care if you crawl, walk, run, whatever. Get your body in motion because an object in motion stays in motion, tends to stay in motion. An object at rest stays at rest. And then step five is we send out an encouraging message. We've been building up this powerful energy, this positive energy. Now we release that into the world. So I taught my employees the, the power of a morning routine by teaching them the power of a morning routine and giving them those five simple steps to follow every single day. What I found is my team started making better decisions the night before because you cannot have a powerful morning routine if you're up playing Fortnite and drinking with your buddies until 3.30 in the morning. It simply doesn't work. No, it really doesn't. So, by teaching them life skills and not just job skills, we were able to get way more production 
out of them. Plus they enjoyed their work. Plus they didn't have all the drama at home um, that typically can come. I don't want to say typically, but that can come uh, in this, in this industry. So that's step one of it. Step two is you have to look at your dealership's morning routine, standard morning routine. Most dealerships that I step into when I first step in, the standard morning routine is some people come in a little early. Some people come in a little late. Some people go straight to the coffee machine to hang out. Some people read a newspaper. Almost all of them are talking about what's for breakfast. Let's just be real here. Already are we having plans. sausage burritos today? Uh, you know, what are we what are we getting? Where are we going? So then by 9:15, somebody's out on the breakfast run, somebody else is going and grabbing the monster energy drinks that they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these different things are happening. And maybe, just maybe around 11 o'clock, we've got a team that's like actually starting to be efficient on the floor. So we're missing two and a half, three hours a day in these dealerships. So I teach and talk about how important it is to have a consistent every single way, every single day, way that you start your day in your dealership, right? Your meeting starts at this time, Mm -hmm. not two minutes later, not two minutes early. It starts at this time every single day and everyone's included. Right. Everyone in that department, whether it be sales and you have your BDC, you have your finance people, you have your managers, everybody's there. This Mm -hmm. is how we're going to start the day. And then we set the tone. We make it a priority as a leader. You should always be the first one in the room, not the last managers. Here's what managers do. They tell everyone there's a meeting at 830 and they show up at 829. Oh, that's That's what managers do. Right. It's 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 the absolute worst. It drives me it, it drives me insane. And that, in fact, that was probably one of the first, I remember when I was going through some leadership training, it was probably one of the first things I think that you normally get taught in a leadership training. It's like, you, you just don't do that, right? You don't do that. You, you got to be the first one in the room. <laughs> and now once you're in the room and you've got this consistent routine and you're setting the tone using positive music that doesn't have, you know, preferably music that doesn't even have words. Cause we don't want to, we don't want to influence anybody negatively in any way, shape mm, or form. Point, like like I've, I've walked into dealerships where they're playing like, you know, heavy metal, mega death or, you know, <laughs> WAP or any of these crazy songs first thing in the morning. And I'm like, dude, there's a time and a place for all that music. You want to listen to that when you're in the gym cracking out? That's cool. But we don't want to set the tone for our team like die, right? Like they're getting ready to go talk to people. So we want to set the energy, right? So we set the tone, we set the energy, and then we follow the lead process. We listen. And then we start the meeting with encouragement, encouraging the behaviors we want to see more of. Great job, John. You got a great Google review. I mm-hmm. appreciate that. Great job, Sally. You did. You uh, went out of your way for this customer and got us a good survey. Great job. Whatever. We encourage. That's how you start the meeting. That makes them want to come to your meeting. <laughs> I know. Anything, it's actually, a, a meet, Saturday morning meeting that I actually want to come to. Yes, <laughs> like, it know, makes them want to come. So we I, encourage. I did, I did have some managers. Yeah, I did have some managers that like I enjoyed coming to them, and then man, there was some that were just just absolutely atrocious. And I, I do remember yeah. this. I remember this one. Um, I remember because he had a lazy eye, so you actually never knew which way to look at him. You know, if, like <laughs> right? he was like he's going this way or this way. It was always very very interesting when he was talking to you about performance because you're like. Going this, uh, but he was a uh, ex football coach, 
And so he didn't necessarily know how, like he, he knew how to coach people through their efforts. And boy, was it something, uh, it was an entirely different experience, you know, when you can get to that place and you can coach someone just not on their professional life, but on their personal life. You know, totally. To your point, right? Now, I'm sure, you know, like, like you and like myself right now, it's you know, 2021 is, is here <laughs> for the most part, right? Planning and getting ready for this, this time of total uncertainty kind of goes into what we've been talking about to this point around mental health, around how we overcome that with some morning routines, you know, um, Man, I, I got dealers right now. I got we got plan A, plan B, plan D, and plan C, you know, like plan C and D. You know, just just because there's just so much uncertainty out there. And I'm curious for you and how how are you kind of navigating that right now with your clients of you know planning for 2021 during this time of uncertainty? Yeah. So the biggest piece of advice I can give to all dealers and doesn't matter whether it's 2020 it doesn't matter whether it was 2008 it doesn't matter any of those things the biggest mistake we've made in this industry is we look at it so finite we look at it in 30-day windows and 30-day cycles and we programmed ourselves to make decisions that are ultimately going to impact the 30-day mm -hmm. without thinking about the how those decisions are going to impact us on an infinite playing field so Simon Sinek wrote a book called uh, The Infinite Game. It's an incredible book. Everyone should read it and apply it into their dealerships. So planning for 2021 should really be like, how do we create plans for all scenarios moving forward so that we can stay in this game of business forever? That's exactly. the goal. Right. How, do we, how do we make decisions today that are going to keep us in the game because COVID, recession, depression, war, pandemics, all mm -hmm. of these things are mm -hmm. seasons. They have come to pass. So we have to start thinking bigger. How do I create an, an ecosystem that no matter what we get hit with, we're prepared? And that falls along with what you're talking about, Jason. You've got to have a plan A, a plan B a plan C. You have to be ready to execute on these plans. You have to have communicated these plans. These plans have to be in writing. They can't just run around and hang out oh, in your head. Most it has to be 100% mapped out. What if something happens to you? Exactly. I don't want to be yeah. morbid or nothing. No, no, but if you've right, got right. brilliant plans and you go and you go down, then what? How many people lose because you didn't take the time to map out the strategy? So plan A, plan B, plan C, it's almost like navigating through the jungle, right? Like you got to be prepared for lions, elephants, snakes, tigers, bears, but you also got to be ready to reap the rewards, the gold, when you find the, when you find the, uh, the gold in the Egyptian tomb or whatnot, <laughs> you have to be able to be prepared to take, take that home and celebrate all of your wins along the way. Um, but I think ultimately the biggest thing that I've been talking to my dealers about is dude, Let's not make decisions today. Like, oh, there were so many dealers mm -hmm. right at the beginning mm -hmm. of the pandemic that like fired half their people or more. And I was like, whoa, 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 what are you, what are you doing? And then fast forward, they regret it because they lost great talented individuals oh, to sure. their competitors, but they made a finite decision, freaked out, made the decision. 
and, and now they regret it later. So slow down, take a deep breath, and don't say, okay, what are we going to do for the next 30 days? Start asking yourself, what are we going to do for the next, to make sure we're in this game for the next 30 years? Oh, no, you, look, you're, you're so right. It's, 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 it, we got to stop being reactive, right? Like when we're putting plans together, it's, it's not as, to your point, I actually like this. It, it, when we're talking about kind of next year plans or 2021 plans, it's not really a 2021 plan. It, it, it's a plan how, you know, we're just going to continue to do business. You know, so often I feel like I was, I was kind of picture a lot of dealerships, so like, like a dam with a bunch of little holes in it. Right. And we're, we're just constantly going around and just kind of plugging each one of the holes and then moving to the next hole, the next hole, the next hole. When in reality, we have to step back, look at the entire dam and say, okay, well, right. How am I going to address this? You know? So instead of addressing those little tiny you know, fills here, fills here, you know, it's like, like hiring, for example, right? I, a lot of people are running into that right now. Like, how do I hire people or bring new bodies in during, you know, d during COVID? You know, well, it's like, well, you know, actually, it's, it's, it's great that you, you, you're talking about it now, but it should have been a plan that was actually put together a long time ago, you know? So it's, instead of just trying to constantly plug the holes, it's trying to look at that bigger picture. And I, I love that, yeah. Glenn. I think that's, that's absolutely perfect. And and, and two things to that. So, you know, we've been able to, you, you have been able to interview candidates via video for about 20 years. Exactly. You know, and, uh, and, 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 and now you're being forced to do it and you feel like, you know, that, that, you know, people, a lot of people feel like that's, that that's a cause for stress, but in reality, it's a, it's just an opportunity for growth and evolution. But you mentioned stepping back away from that dam. And here's the thing, when you step back away from that dam, be prepared to realize that you don't even like, it might be time to blow the dam up. True. Good you point. might not even need that dam. That dam was technology that you built back in 1950 to point. solve a problem. It's 2020. <laughs> Dude, there's all kinds of new things that are going on. And so I agree, instead of just plugging holes, step back, take a look, but be okay with and prepared to say, holy smokes, I didn't even realize it, man. We've only been doing this because it's the way we've always done it. What is it going to look like in 30 years? Do we still need a damn 30 years from now? Exactly. And if we don't, let's start building what we do need now so that we don't put ourselves in this position again, moving forward. And you know what, I think you've seen the same thing that I've seen is that those dealerships that were very proactive in their planning efforts, their, their hiring efforts and their best practices, you know, years ago have truly kind of benefited from that future planning. Look, um, I, I, Glenn, I know it's towards the tail end of our time and I'm sure we could probably jam for another hour easily. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but before I let you go though, for all of the people that are watching and listening right now and just, man, going, this is great content. I want to connect with Glenn. I want to continue following Glenn and learn from him. You know, what is the best way to connect with you? Yeah, I think the best way, if you go to um, glennlundy.com, that'll connect you to all my different social media platforms. It'll also connect you to, you know, the Morning 5 ebook that I wrote that you can download for free that talks about those powerful morning routines. It also connects you to my show, my Rising Grind group, all of that stuff you can find at glennlundy.com. So connect with me over there. I uh, would love to, to get to know you and start a new relationship and see if I can help you moving forward, not just in 2021, but uh, for years to come. 
That's awesome. Hey, Glenn, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a ton of fun. You have yourself an amazing day. Thanks. You too, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy Mob Podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to sign up to be a mobster at strategymob.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe.